uh, not only for Yanni, but as Smiley comes up to speak as well. Jesus, thank you for, uh, thank you for Yanni Gray, for, uh, for continuing to sanctify her and transform her into more and more of the image of your son, Jesus. And that is really evident and obvious. And thank you for allowing us to be in friendship and in community with her to get to witness that and to get to be uh, the recipients of the grace that she extends uh, as you fill her up with more and more grace. Lord, we pray for her and Zach as they asked in the video that you would give them wisdom and discernment to raise their kids to know, know you, Jesus. We pray for JD and for Adeline that they would believe in you and have eternal life, that they would know you and walk with you and be known by you, Jesus. And we also pray for Yanni as she transitions and help her to know how to utilize the giftings that you've given her to, to continue to bring glory to you. May she love and serve and honor you uh, as she transitions to work for a different organization. And Lord, we pray for Smiley as well. Lord, you've filled him with your Holy Spirit when, you, when he believed in you, but we ask, Spirit, that you would uh, pour out uh, a new grace and a, and a freshness to what he might have to say to us this morning. Speak to us as we read your word, Jesus. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. We want to worship you. Uh, fix our minds and our hearts uh, and, and our souls on you, Jesus. And we pray that you would speak, not only through Smiley, but through your word. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Obviously, it was working a minute ago. Now we're working. Okay. Okay.
Helps if I turn it on. Oh, here we go. Is it on? Yeah. Leave it alone. <laughs> oh, today's message is called A Tough Hide and a Tender Heart. And you say, what if you ask, what does it take to be a good leader? I would say a good leader has a tough hide and a tender heart. And you say, what do you mean? I remember reading about one of our presidents. I forget who he was. But they asked, what's it like to be president of the United States? He said, it's not a bad job if you don't mind waking up every day of your life and knowing one half the people in the country hate your guts. Would you like that job? Do you pray for our president? Do you? Uh, and that's not just true of a president. Isn't true of a coach that he wakes up every day knowing a significant number of people hate him? You know what it means to be a pastor? It means I get to wake up every day of my life and know a significant number of people in the church are greatly disappointed in me. What does it mean to be a parent? To be a parent means you get to wake up every day and know what, that your kids are disappointed in you. So what does it take to be a good leader? It takes a tough hide and a tender heart. We usually get that backwards, don't we? That sometimes our, our skin is way too thin and our hearts grow hard. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at Jesus because Jesus is the best leader. And what we're going to see this morning in the point of the message is that Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. This morning I was, or this week I was reading in Luke and I was reminded that Jesus does have a tough hide and a tender heart because Jesus cast a demon. He cast a demon out of someone. And you know what they said about Jesus? They said he was demon possessed. So Jesus did something good and he was falsely accused, right? And, th and that's why we're doing this series. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter 5. And um, we're walking through 1 Peter and our purpose is to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. It seems like every day in our culture when we wake up, things have changed and it's a little more hostile than when we went to bed toward us. And so we're learning how to follow Jesus in a culture that's hostile. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, therefore. And I've taught you when you see therefore, what do you ask? Right, what is this therefore, therefore? Now what I want to do today is, is, is I want to teach you, but I also want to equip you. I want you to learn how to study the Bible. If you want to understand a passage one of the key things is what's the context? What comes in front of this passage and what comes after it? And if we look at what comes before and after it, it helps us to understand the passage. So last week, we learned what? That Jesus suffered for doing what is right and we will too. Remember that? And, and, and we learned our action step was to, was to rejoice in your suffering. And many of you are doing the study. And if you're not, why not pick up the study and join us this week as we read 1 Thessalonians? But listen, I woke up on Monday morning and I had breakfast with Jesus like I always do. And I, and I found this verse. Listen to this verse. Colossians 1 verse 21. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. There it is. The actual action step I'd given you the day before was right there in Colossians. I rejoice. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, 
which is the church in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. So if we're going to understand the verses we're about to read, then we look ahead of it and see, listen, that we will suffer for doing what's right. And if we look just, behind, just after the verses we're going to read today, we're going to see we have an adversary. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we're going to be here in a couple of weeks. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We're going to be learning about the church, the importance of the church. Wouldn't it make a difference in your life if you believe as a parent that it, when your kids go outside, there's a lion who wants to devour them? Wouldn't it make a difference in your life if you live in your neighborhood or go to work, if you believe you had an enemy who wanted to devour you? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Man, I can remember my mom saying, don't swim alone. Don't swim alone. If you swim alone, you might get a cramp and you might drown. There'll be nobody there to help you. Don't swim alone. And how many times she'd say, don't go in the woods alone. Don't go in the woods alone. Go with someone else so that if someone attacks you, there's two of you. And what the scriptures are saying is, don't try and follow Jesus alone in a hostile culture where there is a devil who wants to devour you. Listen, Jesus is the chief shepherd of his church. His church is important. Jesus loves the church. The church is his body. Jesus came to earth to seek and save sinners. And he came and he died on the cross for our sins, right? And he rose. But he also trained 12 apostles. He trained 12 apostles and many disciples. And then, after Jesus ascended into heaven, he poured out the Holy Spirit on his church, didn't he? He poured out his Holy Spirit on the church, and the church was birthed. And as the apostles went out and planted churches, as they went out and made disciples, they planted churches. And Jesus gave the churches his Holy Spirit, and Jesus gave the churches leaders. He gave them leaders. And that's what we're reading about in verse 1. Therefore, I exhort the elders. See that word? It's the Greek word presbyteros, from which we get the word presbyterian, which means older or spiritually mature. I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Now, the apostle Peter was an elder, but he was also an apostle. That's what he's talking about when he says that I was a witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory. I, I saw his suffering, I saw him rise. There are many, many, many elders, but there are 12 apostles. That's why, and, and the, to be an apostle, you needed to be a witness of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why the apostle Paul spent so much time defending that he was a true apostle, because he wasn't with Jesus throughout his, his whole ministry. That's why Paul would say he was untimely born. So, because Jesus loves his church, he's, uh, he's appointed leaders elders in his church. So <clears throat> if someone asks you, what is the church? What would you say? 
when I think of the church, I think of three C's, three C's, and here are the three C's. When I think of a church, I think, first of all, the church is a cause. But it's more than a cause, it's a community, and, and it's more than that, it's a corporation. What do I mean by cause? That our purpose as a church is to make disciples together. That's why we exist. We're here because Jesus told us to make disciples of all the nations, and so we have a cause, we have a purpose that unites us together. And because disciple-making is a team effort, we want to make disciples together, so we have a community, a community united together around a common cause. But we're also a corporation. That means we're a body. And that means there's structure to his body. Matter of fact, we're going to talk about church government. Did you notice I said church government? Because whenever I use the word government, I always put an adjective in front of it. People in our culture just say government. But there's many kinds of government. There's self-government. You do know what's the most important kind of government, don't you? It's what? It's self-government. Because when people have self-government, they don't need what? External government. And so the most important kind of government is self-government. And then there's family government. God has set up government in the church. You have the husband as the head of the wife and the father as the head of the home. There's government in the church. And then Jesus has established a government in the church. He says that the church is to be led, the church is to be governed by spiritually mature men elders. And so I want you to know at Good News, uh, we have elders that are nominated by the congregation. They're trained, uh, and then they're examined, and they're presented back to the congregation for election. We normally have nine ruling elders. This picture is of eight. And the reason there's eight is one of our ruling elders has stepped down in the last year or so, and we were praying that he would step back on, and he didn't. So we have eight ruling elders, and they come from both of our campuses. So we have eight ruling elders, and then we have two teaching elders. Dave, our World Golf Village campus pastor, is a, is a teaching elder, and I, and as the teaching elders, we do most of the teaching at our church. But Jesus set up his church where spiritually mature men would lead his church. So that's who they are. They're to be, pres they're to be elders. Now, older, mature. So what do elders do? That's what we read about in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God among you. So God wants spiritually mature people to shepherd God's people. And when the Bible calls us sheep, that's not a compliment. Did you know that? That when the Bible calls us sheep, it's not a compliment? I mean, we tend to think of what Mary, right? Mary had a little lamb whose fleece were white as snow. But if you talk to a shepherd, do you know what they'll tell you about sheep? They're dumb. They're dumb. And you know what else? They're smelly. And you know what else? They're defenseless. And do you know what the Bible says? We're like, we're like sheep, right? Let me show you in Isaiah 53. Look at this. All of us like sheep, right? That's not a compliment. It's not a compliment. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Listen, we're dumb. And I know that offends you. But listen, when we as creatures tell the creator... We know how to run our lives better than God. You know what that is? That's what? Dumb. That's dumb. 
And not only are we dumb, we are smelly because we rebel against God over and over again. Listen, we don't smell too good. We're sinners. And, and listen, we are defenseless. We cannot save ourselves. The Bible says that all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We've sinned against a just and holy God and we deserve God's wrath. We deserve hell. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. Jesus is the good shepherd Jesus is the good shepherd who came into the world to save, to seek and save, smelly, uh, dumb, defenseless sheep. See, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. God the Son put on flesh and came to earth to save us. In John 11, in John 11, verse... Or, John 10, verse 11. John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. And what does the good shepherd do? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So God the Son put on flesh, came to earth to seek and save us. He went to the cross as the good shepherd. He laid down his life in our place. He took our sins, died in our place once and for all, rose, and, and, and he offers us eternal life. And... Um, how do we get that eternal life? If we back up a couple of verses, listen to what Jesus said. He said, I'm the door. <laughs> want to be forgiven? Jesus is the door. Want to be saved? There's only one door. Jesus is the door. Want to live forever? There's only one door. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly. You want to be forgiven? Enter through Jesus. Want to live forever? Enter through Jesus. You want to have real life? Enter through Jesus. Well, how do you do that? <laughs> to enter through the door is to believe in Jesus. And, and believing in Jesus really is as simple as ABC, where we admit and believe and commit. To enter through Jesus starts when we admit and and listen, if you've never done this, you can do this now, or I'll help you as we close in prayer, but it starts when we admit, Jesus, you're right. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. Thank you. And then we commit, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm entering through the door. I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you? And if you have, if you have, I want you to hear what he says. He says, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and find pasture. When we enter through the door, when we put our faith in Jesus, listen, he says we need to find a church and, and, and join it and be a part of it because we need leaders to lead us. We need leaders to feed us. We need leaders to protect us. We need leaders to equip us so that we can go back and rescue other sheep which are lost. And that's why Jesus has placed elders in his church to shepherd the flock of God among you. Now, continuing in 1 Peter 5, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, See the word oversight? The Greek word there is episcopus. Sound familiar? What does it sound like? Come on, what, what does episcopus sound like? Episcopalian, right? 
The Greek word epi means over, and scopus means to see. Um, so we have a periscope, right, and a microscope, and, and they're all about seeing, right? So, so the elders are to shepherd the church by overseeing the people, overseeing the people, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. So elders can, can be good leaders because they're following the chief shepherd. They're watching what the chief shepherd does, and they're seeking to do that with those they lead. And the chief shepherd loves his people, and, and so the elders are to love their people. And, and listen, the, the chief shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, right? And so elders want to do the same. I mean, you remember back in John 10, the kind of chief shepherd Jesus is, John 10, 18. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. Isn't it amazing when they came out to arrest Jesus, Jesus could have called down angels and, and been freed, but he, he laid down his life for us. And when he was on the cross, it wasn't the nails that kept him there. It was his love for you and me. He wanted to finish his work to save us. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. So elders are able to lead well because they follow the chief shepherd. That's why shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Now notice how it moves on in verse 3. Nor yet is lording over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Oh, how timely this verse is. We continually hear today about critical theory, right? Critical theory. And critical theory says the world is divided. There is oppressors and there's the oppressed, right? There are the oppressors and the oppressed. So the way critical theory looks at a family, critical theory looks at the family and says parents are oppressors and, and kids are the oppressed. And critical theory looks at the church and would say that, that elders are the oppressors and that members are the oppressed. And this verse says leadership in the family and leadership in the church is radically different from leadership in the world. It's not all about power. That's why he says with elders, not lording it over. Listen, not leading by power, but by example. You remember, remember when James and John asked for the two best seats in the kingdom, remember? And in Matthew 20, we pick up that story. Here's what leadership is to look like in the church or in the home. In Matthew 20, verse 25, But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. That's what leadership is about in the world. I have the power, you don't, and powers try and squash people. They use their power to make people comply. But notice what he says, it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Listen, you want to be a good elder? Be a servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you, be your slave. Listen, you want to lead well in your church? Be a slave. Well, what's our model? What's our model? Just as the Son of Man 
did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So what is Jesus' model of servant leadership? What's he doing? What's he doing hours before the cross? He is what he is, washing the feet of his disciples, right? He's not exercising power and authority. He's serving the ones he loves. And then he went to the cross and he gave his life a ransom for us. And that's our model as elders, that we follow the chief shepherd. And we're here as leaders to serve and to give, right? Huh. Back to 1 Peter, not doing leadership like the world, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but instead proving to be examples to the flock. Do you know how elders lead in the church? It's not by power, it's by example. By example, we lead by being fruit-bearing disciples that our lives are what give us the, the ability to lead. Our lives are to be overflowing with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control so that people say, I want to follow them. We lead by example as fruit-bearing disciples. We lead by example as fruit-bearing disciple-makers. Listen, the chief shepherd won lost people. Elders are to be disciple makers who win lost people. And listen, Jesus built up believers, and so elders are to build up believers. And Jesus equipped workers, and elders are to equip workers. And Jesus multiplied disciple makers, and elders are too. Ah. So Jesus established leadership in his church, mature men to be spiritual leaders, and, and their job is to oversee God's people, their calling, and to be examples who lead their people by example. And I know, I know some people say, but smile, you keep saying men, men. Why do you say men? Um, listen, I know this is completely contrary to our culture, but I, wanna, I want you to know that at Good News, we believe the Bible clearly teaches that the primary responsibility for servant leadership in the home and in the church belongs to men. One more time, we believe the Bible clearly teaches the primary responsibility for servant leadership in the home and in the church is reserved for men. I know we live in a culture that says the problem in homes are men who who are patriarchs, who, who abuse their families, and that's happened far too many times. But the greatest problem in our home is that husbands and fathers aren't there. The great need in our home is for servant leaders, for dads who will lead their families. That's the great need, and that's what Jesus calls us to be, servant leaders in our home. And I want you to know the same authority structure in the family exists in the church because the church is just a wider expression of our families. And so Jesus calls men to be servant leaders in the church. Have there been men in churches who have abused their power and abused women? Absolutely. But the biggest problem in America today is not that. It's the absence of men in churches. It's that men don't aspire, as the Bible says. The Bible says if any man aspires, longs to be a spiritual leader, that's a fine thing he desires to do. Oh, that men aspired to lead as servant leaders in their home and church. Um, why do we believe that? Well, because of passages like this in, 
In Titus, in Titus 1, verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete that you would set it in order, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city. Notice that elders, Good News Church is a Presbyterian church. By that we have a plurality of elders who lead us, not one person by themselves, appoint elders in every city. As I directed you, why do we have only men as I directed if any man is above reproach? The first quality listed for an elder is that they would be a man. And uh, as I walk through this, if there are three C's for a church, and there are, it's, it's, a, it's a cause, it's a community, it's a corporation, there are three C's for an elder too. And the three C's are character and chemistry and competency. Character, are they bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Chemistry, can they play with others in the sandbox? And uh, competency, do they have the skills to be an elder? So as I read through this, I'll point out character and competency and chemistry. If any man is above reproach, that's what? That's character, right? And if they're married, the husband of one wife, that, that chemistry, they're able to, to stay married, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, Character. For the overseer, the elder, must be above reproach as God's steward. That is character. Not self-willed, not quick-tempered. That's chemistry. Not addicted to wine. Character. Not pugnacious. Not someone who loves to fight. Uh, chemistry. Not fond of sordid gain. Character. But hospitable. Listen, that's a, that's a skill, that's a competency. Loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. Now we really get to the competencies as well. As well as hospitality, listen, what are the skills an elder needs? Holding fast the faithful word. They need to love God's word and know God's word. Holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. Why? So that he will be able both to exhort and sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Listen, elders need the skills of knowing God's word so they can win lost people and they can build believers and they can equip workers and they can multiply disciple makers. They need to know the, God's word so well they can instruct and also spot error and protect their people from those who teach false things. Well, Smiley, does anybody live up to that standard? No, only the chief shepherd. But do you know what grace is? Grace isn't about Jesus lowering the standard. Grace is about the chief shepherd moving into his under-shepherds, in, into elders and pastors and small group leaders, and then what? Lifting us, lifting us to be more and more like him, right? So, in the church, Jesus, for our good, has established elders, spiritually mature leaders, to, to oversee and, and lead the church. And all of our elders here, thank you for what you do. And our small group leaders who are like many elders who, who care for your people, lead and feed and equip them, thank you for what you do. That's what the next verse is about. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Sometimes you get discouraged in leading. It seems like you don't make any difference. Don't give up. Don't give up. Jesus sees and he will reward you one day. One of the verses that really encourages me as a leader when I get discouraged is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. 
For those of you who open your home week after week to small group and, and it doesn't seem to make a difference or you're leading as an elder, for God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. Jesus sees and he appreciates what you do. So listen, in the church, we have elders, and elders can lead well by following the chief shepherd. And then we have members. We have members, and members can follow well because they also follow the chief shepherd. That's what we read about in verse 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, if you had one word to describe sin, what would that one word be? Hmm? Someone in the first service said pride. That would be really good. You know what I think of? I think of rebellion. When I think of sin, we say to God, I will not submit to you. And what I find is when we don't submit to God, I will, not I will not submit to my parents. I will not submit to my coach. I will not submit to my pastor. I will not submit to anyone. That's sin. And then Jesus calls us to himself. And Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. And we bow the knee before Jesus. And then I think that changes our hearts. When we're willing to say Jesus is Lord, then we're willing to submit to our parents, to our coach, to our pastor, to, to leaders, because we see behind, we see behind the leaders, we see Jesus, and it's in obedience to Jesus that we submit to the authorities he places in our life. You know why I submit to our civil government? It's not because they're so wonderful. It's because I see behind them. I see behind them is Jesus. And by submitting to Jesus, I submit to the authorities that he's placed in their life. And that's why members follow the leader, because they're following Jesus. That's the first reason. And the second reason is they remember who they are. They remember they're dumb. They remember they're smelly. They remember they're defenseless. They remember I'm incredibly capable of wrecking my life and I need someone to watch over me and protect me from myself. Is that true of you? Do you realize how quickly you can wreck your life, do you? Listen, when I was young, I imagined that I was smart. And when I was young, I, I thought I smelled really good. I thought I was almost there. And when I was young, I thought I could handle anything. And then what happened? You know what happened? Life happened. And life has humbled me. Marriage has humbled me. Parenting has humbled me. Pastoring has humbled me. And you know what I know at this point in my life? Two things. Number one, I am a great sinner. Way, way worse than I ever imagined. And secondly, I have a great Savior I have a great Savior. And because of that, what I realize is I need Jesus in my life. And I need to be a part of a community to keep me from wrecking my life. And I want you to know that's true of you too. You need Jesus. And you need other people in your life because you're incredibly capable of wrecking your life. And that's why we follow the leader. That's why you younger men likewise be subject to your elders and all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud. I can handle it. 
but gives grace to the humble. Listen, I'm capable of wrecking my life. So we've learned that Jesus is the chief shepherd. And so the, the action step for this week, it's the same whether you're an elder or you're a, a member, and that is that you follow the chief shepherd. Listen, elders, we can lead well if we follow the chief shepherd. And listen, if we're a member, we can follow well because we're following the chief shepherd, okay? So, so let me speak to the elders first. Listen, elders, a good leader is a good follower. A good leader is simply a good follower. That if we follow Jesus, that's what makes us a good leader. So in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is addressing some elders whom he loved very much. In Acts 20 verse 25, And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of, of God. Now, elders, pay attention. Small group leaders, pay attention. Uh, parents, pay attention. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. The devil loves to take out leaders because if you take out leaders, you take not only out the leader but all those that are following. So watch out for yourself. You're capable of wrecking your life. And watch out for the flock. Be on guards for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. You see the people in here? They are dumb, especially me. They are spelly, especially me. They are defenseless. But you know what? They're also precious. You know why they're precious? They're not precious because they're so lovely. They're per precious because they've been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's why we are called to shepherd them, because they are precious to Jesus. They are his blood-bought people. N listen to what he says. He goes on, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and, not, and from your, among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Listen, those of us who are leaders, we need to watch over ourselves and also for our, over our church because we believe there are savage wolves that are going to seek to come in and devour them and destroy them. Therefore, be on the alert. Stay awake, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. So... How can we be a good leader? How can we be a good elder, a, 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 good, a good small group leader, a, a good parent watching over our children? Notice two things he says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. How are we going to spot the false teachers? How are we going to spot the wolves when we know Jesus and we love his word? Did you read Colossians this week? It was so, did, did you read where it said, let the word of Christ, what? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Want to be a good leader? Want to not be led astray? Want to protect God's people? Let the word of God richly dwell within you. Then you'll be able to spot the wolves. Listen, a good leader is simply a good follower, right? I mean, what did Jesus say when, when he called us? He, he said, what, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, follow me, and I'll make you a disciple maker. I'll make you an elder. I'll make you a good leader if you'll follow me. How about the Apostle Paul? 
Want to be a good leader? In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says what? You guys follow me, right? And I'll follow Jesus. He said what? Be imitators of me as I am of Christ Jesus. Elders, a good leader is a good follower. That as we follow the chief shepherd, then we can invite others to come and, and to follow us. Okay, you remember, you remember, listen, we can follow our leaders because we follow the chief shepherd. Let me show you that. In Hebrews 13, as members, we follow well because we follow the chief shepherd. Hebrews 13, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they keep watch over your souls as they will give an account. They're watching over your souls so you're not devoured by the savage wolves or the lion. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Oh, listen, if you remember, look beyond the deeply flawed leadership of this church and see Jesus. And listen, follow your leaders because you're following the chief shepherd. That's the first reason. Second reason is because we're so incredibly capable of wrecking our lives. I was having lunch with someone recently, and um, uh, he, he's made a lot of poor choices in life. And, and I said to him, what is there about your past that would give you great confidence about the future? Hmm? Listen, what is there about your past running your own life that would make you think the future would be any different? Listen, what we need to learn from our past performance is how much we need Jesus and we need other people in our life so that our future looks different from our past. Hmm. You want your future to look different than your past? Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. What an opportunity we have as a church. We live in a deeply divided culture, right, where everybody's oppressor and oppressed. And you know what? In the church, listen, we, we, we can show how different it is to be the church and to be Christians because in the church, we're all following Jesus, right? Elders are following Jesus. Members are following Jesus. We're all following the chief shepherd because we recognize how much we need Jesus and how much we need each other to follow Jesus in a hostile world. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. We're so glad you laid down your life for us. Thank you. You're the door, the door, the only door that we can enter through and be saved. If, if you've been trying some other way and you've never entered through the door of Jesus, he's here. Won't you enter through the door? Won't you believe? Jesus, I sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Uh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you and pray for you and encourage you. Jesus, I pray for our elders here. I pray for our elders here that we would be good leaders by being good followers of yours. And Lord, I pray for men in our church to aspire, to aspire to lead and in their homes and in the church to be servant leaders. 
And Lord, I pray for our members that we would be good followers because we're following the chief shepherd and realize that you've placed leaders in our life for our good, that we would be good followers because we recognize how easily we could wreck our lives. Lord, help us to model before a watching world how leaders and followers can follow you together. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.